the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Good Flow. I'm Jim McAlee, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. I really appreciated the great autumn weather so far with its dry days and temperatures in the 70s. But that may be about to change this week. With rains and low temperatures, the highs are going to be in the 50s and 60s, and the lows will be in the high 30s. There isn't a lot of difference between the high 30s and 32 degrees. So we may be seeing the ice on the windshield soon. The temperatures in the 60s is still good working weather, and it'll help us get the heavy outside job done. And, and the one on the, 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 the one of the lesser outside jobs right now is rigging up the leaves. This has been an easy job so far, but wait until we get some heavy rains, and then the leaves will come down like an avalanche. After that, leaf breaking will be our main exercise program for several weekends. And even though we'll be outside and enjoying our gardens and the fall foliage, maybe we can find some time to think about our investments and our financial plans and what we're, how that's going along and what we're doing to modify it and keep it on course. This week, global equities were mixed. In the United States, the three major equity indices ended up for the week, 
In fact, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at a record high on Friday. In the UK and the European Union, uh, the FTSE 100 and the DAX equity indices were both up. In Asia, China was up, but Japan was down. Let's see, on Friday, the major U.S. equity indices closed at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 35,677.02, and that was up 1.1% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,544.90, and that was up 1.6% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 15,090.20, and that was up 1.3% for the week. So this week, the third quarter earnings season continued with stocks rising after strong earnings results and optimistic forward guidance. According to the Wall Street Journal, the standard and poor 500 corporate profits are expected to increase about 35% from the same quarter of 2020. That's a bit higher than a J.P. Morgan estimate of uh, 28%, but that was an earlier estimate. Uh, financial results from the major companies show that in most cases they've been able to insulate themselves you know, from the big problems that are out there. And the, uh, the problems are the global supply chain crisis and the, uh, the steepening Inflation results, you can see it in the consumer price index and the, and the producer price index and also the uh, import prices. And also the third one is the tight labor market. So basically most companies have been doing well by basically passing along the higher prices to the customers. And the recent earnings results show that uh, some, some companies are really struggling with this parts shortage, particularly the uh, computer chip, computer chip uh, shortage, and that's major problems in the automotive and the heavy equipment manufacturing areas. Inflation is another major problem that is generated in the uh, you know, supply chain uh, crisis, where you want it when is a major joke, and. Uh, where the supplier now has the leverage and in increasing prices. We'll give you half of what you ordered, and we'll increase the price 5 or 10%. So inflation is also coming from the tight labor market, particularly in the lower wage earning uh, market. Inflation uh, may be temporary, but it's hard to get around the consumer price index uh, readings of 5.4% over the last 12 months. Uh, producer price index readings of 8.6% over the last 12 months, and import prices up 9.2% over the last 12 months. So the Federal Reserve Beige Book that was released on Wednesday uh, mentioned uh, inflation, uh, particularly wage inflation, an awful lot in the uh, Beige Book, which is an informal narrative of the U.S. economy is each one of the 12 Federal Reserve banks puts together a narrative with regard to their particular uh, territory. And it talks about the economy and their particular districts. You know, and they talk about employment, wages, uh, prices, uh, consumer spending, manufacturing, real estate and construction, freight, and, and financial services. So uh, 
published prior to each uh, federal open market committee meeting, and it's uh, one of the sources of information for that particular meeting. I think the next meeting of the FOMC is scheduled for November 9th or 10th. Uh, not certain of that, but I think I, that's what I remember. The Federal, <laughs> the Federal Reserve page book contains about uh, <clears throat> 78 references to various aspects of strong wage pressure. It talks about wage increases, bonus offers, wage inflation, and wage wars. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the show, and the uh, uh, how the Federal Reserve intends to uh, remove that monetary stimulus that it's been applying to the uh, uh, economy since uh, February of last year. In other words, the Federal Reserve basically has, has lowered the interest rate as low as it can get, and in order to even uh, keep the longer term interest rates uh, low. They've uh, uh, been uh, buying $120 billion a month of uh, uh, treasuries and mortgage-backed security bonds. So uh, they're talking about, we're talking about how they're going to taper that uh, bond-buying operation and get on to the raising the interest rates in the future. And we can't forget the bug that started all of this, and that's the uh, the COVID, uh, in the big picture, the problems we're facing today are basically the results of the COVID-19 pandemic, where the U.S. economy was shut down in uh, February of last year. Uh, <clears throat> we thought we found a cure with the vaccines. You know, we got vaccines from Pfizer and and um, Binotech, and also from Moderna, and also from J&J. And uh, we enjoyed a few months of freedom in the spring until that uh, Delta variant appeared in June. And uh, right now, we think we're getting uh, that under control with more vaccinations. I think we're, we're doing approximately a million a day in vaccinations together with uh, booster shots uh, from the three vaccine uh, manufacturers. They've all got booster shots out there. And that came after uh, after the Israeli study indicated that uh, the vaccines uh, lose their potency over about six over six month period. In other words, when you first get the 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 shots originally, uh, you got some sort of uh, it's about ninety five percent effective. But then over a six month period, it drops down to about sixty five. So <clears throat> that's why. People are doing the booster shots, and, and basically it's for uh, people over 65 and people who have uh, uh, <clears throat> medical problems, and also people that are exposed to uh, call it the frontline workers who are exposed to uh, uh, different people all day long. So uh, <clears throat> the Delta variant pandemic. That peaked in early September, and the number of new cases and deaths are dropping. For instance, the latest results show uh, new cases per day is around 74,000, and that's down 25% over the last two weeks. Hospitalizations are about uh, 56,000, and that's down 18% over the last two weeks. And the deaths are standing around 1,500, and that's down 15% over the last two weeks. So. 
everybody's hopeful that the Delta variant can be controlled uh, with more vaccinations and more people becoming immune and things of this nature. So we can get back to normal, and then we can focus on that uh, global supply chain problem. And uh, that particular problem in untangling the uh, supply chain, that'll probably take us to the middle of next year to get things straightened out. So in the meantime, the U.S. economy continues to recover, and uh, and we'll see later in the show that uh, we're seeing increases in residential construction and home sales and industrial production. So uh, basically, the, the economy is growing. Uh, the, uh, uh, the profits in the uh, first quarter, the uh, corporate profits, are the highest on record, and then the third, the second quarter, were even higher than the first quarter. And now we're in the third quarter, and we're basically seeing maybe a decrease in the in the uh, profits. But it's basically uh, a matter of these two problems. One of them is the uh, <clears throat> the uh, COVID, and the other one is the uh, supply chains and getting the supply chains and. <clears throat> Basically, the supply chain problem comes from the very fact that uh, uh, the government uh, has stimulated the economy to the tune of uh, uh, $6 trillion so far, you know, in checks and uh, loans and things of this nature. So uh, there's a lot of uh, $4 trillion spent last year, $2 trillion spent this year. And... Uh, that's had a big impact on getting the uh, recovery, and the recovery of this economy is so strong and so broad that it basically uh, caught everybody flat-footed in terms of the demands. So uh, <clears throat> the difficulty right now is that uh, the demands are still high, and uh, the supply is trying to catch up. And by supply, I mean... Uh, workers and inventory and things of this nature. Uh, it's a constant uh, battle uh, to get the supplies in and build up the inventory. Uh, companies have been watching their inventories go down, and the supplies are, uh, the orders are go in, and uh, the supplies dribble in with longer lead times and basically higher prices. So, that's what the companies are facing nowadays. They seem to be able to pass on uh, those higher prices to the consumer because the consumer is basically pretty flush with cash, particularly if you uh, <clears throat> work out of work and you were collecting those uh, stimulus paychecks. Uh, one of the things that uh, a calamity like this uh, COVID situation, uh, one of the things you have to prepare for is these unplanned events where you might be out of work for uh, a few weeks or a few months. And uh, uh, how is that going to affect your financial plan in terms of identifying your goals and your uh, methods of achieving those goals? In other words, uh, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is an emergency fund uh, where you have uh, at least six months' worth of uh, living expenses, you know, in, in the, it may be it in the bank, 
or someplace like that, someplace that uh, you can get to without worrying about whether the market is up or down. And then uh, you have your long-term goals. You have your, depending upon where you're at in life, um, if you're approaching retirement, then uh, the retirement funds have to be built up before you retire in order to be able to uh, live on those funds plus the Social Security and uh, other funds that you have basically for maybe as long as 30 years. Uh, you're trying at 65. Typically, in today's world, the life expectancy for a 65-year-old person is 85. So you're going to be living for uh, 20 years <clears throat> on that uh, particular nest egg. So it's important to build that up, but depending upon where you are in your you know, lifespan, uh, you might, uh, if you're coming out of uh, school, you might, uh, your immediate uh, goal might be a car and a uh, apartment. And then uh, as you get older, maybe it's a uh, uh, getting married and establishing a family and, and uh, all of the um, expenses that that, is, that, that involves. So who's going to stay home and uh, take care of the youngsters for a while? And uh, how are we going to uh, save for the uh, down payment for the house and uh, furnishings for the house and all the rest of these things? So every every person has a different financial plan, but they do have to basically <clears throat> ration or channel their, their income uh, into different funds in order to meet those plans, because <clears throat> part of it is savings, but then the other part is uh, putting their savings in the right places, in the, in the right investment, so that they can grow and that uh, they can meet your financial goals in the future. It's, uh, it's just a compounding effect of investments and the compounding effect of money over a period of time. If you're in investments, they'll grow. So what you do is look at it and say, okay, uh, I'm going to channel my income into these investments. And part of it might be saving for the down payment of the house. Part of it might be uh, uh, a vacation home. Part of it might be the children's education. And fundamentally, part of it might be the retirement fund. So putting that plan together and staying on top of it over a lifetime, uh, once you put it together, uh, it's not one of those things where you set and forget forever, but it does require a little bit of mid-course correction to make sure that you're on the, <clears throat> on the path that you want it to be on. So um, with regard to your financial plan, you can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. And uh, you can give us a call with regard to your finance, your financial plan or uh, what you're seeing in the market or what you're, what you're seeing in the economy nowadays. So this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. You know, we've talked about, uh, you know, the economy. The economy is picking up. Uh, you know, it's, it has some headwinds in terms of uh, uh, the uh, inflation and also in terms of the uh, COVID. Uh, but I think we're, we're tackling both those problems, and the recovery is, uh, is proceeding in terms of... Uh, you know, the industrial production and the uh, consumer sales and all the rest of it. Let's take a look at part of that recovery and that's the existing home sales. And if you if you take a look at existing home sales in September, uh, they basically were up 7% from uh, August. That's according to the National Association of Realtors. And that includes basically single family and homes and townhouses and condominiums and co-ops. So that was up uh, 7% to a seasonably adjusted rate of uh, annual rate of six point, uh, basically $6.3 million. Uh, however, the sales did decrease uh, 2.3% from September a year ago. Uh, the chief economist of the, uh, the national uh, uh, the, uh, National Association of Realtors, their chief economist, Lawrence Jones, quote, uh, some improvements in supply during uh, prior months have nudge up sales in September, and uh, housing demand remains strong, and, and buyers likely want to secure a home before the mortgage rates increase even further, uh, further next year. So uh, he, he, he indicates there that uh, part of this home buying itself will be due to people looking ahead and saying uh, these low mortgage rates aren't going to continue forever. And what you're seeing is the supply of homes for sale is still very tight. Uh, number of home sales sits at a 2.4 month supply at the present sales pace, and that's down 7.7% uh, from August. And uh, and down 2.7 months uh, from September of uh, uh, 2020. So, and as before, home prices have been going up. The median existing uh, home price of all housing groups in September was $352,800. And that's up 13.3% uh, from September a year ago. In September a year ago, it was 311500 but uh, it's down 1.4% from the August number. So the median house price uh, in September for existing homes is $352,800. And uh, again, uh, Lawrence Young estimates that we're likely to see more homes on the market in 2022 Basically, as the uh, <clears throat> the mortgage forbearance program ends, and as uh, home builders ramp up production, uh, despite the supply chain uh, issues, <clears throat> uh, you know, as before, uh, it was, it's been a seller's market 
and homes are moving. And uh, basically, properties typically remain on the market for about 17 days in September. So 86% of the homes that were sold in September were on the market for less than a month. And then, you know, everybody has their stories from friends and relatives that basically, hey, uh, uh, you put a house on the market and uh, uh, people want to see it. I had a client that uh, uh, I think he had uh, 20 uh, people uh, on a one weekend come through and look at the house and uh, uh, they made an offer. One of the people made an offer that was uh, $30,000 above uh, what the asking price was. So um, it's a basically a seller's market. And uh, uh, But one of the things that I problem might be driving it is very uh, people are keeping an eye on the mortgage interest rates according to Freddie Mac the average commitment for a 30-year conventional fixed rate mortgage uh, was 2.9 percent in September and that was up from 2.8 percent 8.4 percent in August so uh, most of the 7 percent increase in home sales was due to single-family homes, and uh, the uh, from August, uh, the uh, the sales were up uh, 7.7% from August and down 3.1% from a year ago, and for a uh, single-family home, the median existing uh, sales price was $359,700. In September, and that's uh, 13.8% higher than September a year earlier. Uh, as far as the condominiums and co-op sales in September, they were up 1.4% uh, from August and up 4.5% from a year ago. And their uh, existing condo uh, prices stood at $297,900 in September for an average increase of uh, uh, basically 9.3%. Uh, so uh, what you're seeing is that uh, the existing home sales, let's talk about our section of the country. And, uh, you know, in the Midwest, uh, home sales increased 5.1% in September, and that's a 2.7% uh, drop from a year ago. So the median price in the Midwest stood at $265,300. Uh, that's a 9.1% increase from September of 2020. So uh, in, other, in other places in the country, the, the prices are higher. In fact, in, uh, if you want to take a look at the median prices, uh, we're standing in the Midwest uh, at 265000 and uh, if you take a look at the Northeast, the median home price is 387000 in the South, it's 307000 and in the West, in California places, it's 506000 So basically, uh, we're in the best location in the nation, and basically as far as, as, far as affordable uh, housing is concerned. So... One of the things that 
the housing does give you is, a, is an idea of uh, uh, people's ability to spend and their uh, uh, needs uh, to, you know, get away from the COVID a little bit more, get out into the uh, suburbs. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. is one 888 I'll give you that number again. It's one 888 1110 Now, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, one of the things we've talked about so far is the home sales. And uh, home sales were particularly high for this time of the year. You know, you see numbers like, uh, uh, you know, in the springtime, uh, after the winter, uh, you see big increases, but 7% increase in home prices in uh uh, September is kind of uh, an outlier. So uh, let's talk about uh, new home construction. Uh, basically, new home construction has been on running at a furious pace. You know, and that's been dictated by the demand. Uh, it has exceeded the pace before the uh, pandemic uh, and is running into basically your, that's an industry that's running into operational constraints like. Uh, uh, we haven't got enough skilled workers, uh, buildable lot, uh, uh, you know, availability of materials, uh, increases in material costs and things of this nature. In some places in the country, uh, communities are restricting uh, new home sales unless the, the home can be built in a reasonable amount of time, let's say six months. And otherwise, uh, uh, you might end up uh, uh, doing a deal for a house that may or may not ever be completed. So uh, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, they keep track of home construction in their monthly new residential construction report. And uh, 
basically the report shows that, uh, uh, for instance, uh, comparing year-to-date numbers uh, for uh, 2021-2020, that would be from January to September, uh, single-family homes, the permits were up 21%. Uh, starts were up um, 20.5%, and completions were up uh, 7.1%. And then if you look at multifamily uh, home construction, you see that the permits were up 27.2%, starts were up 17.6%, and the uh, completions were up uh, 4.2%. So in the the big picture, uh, there's a lot of... uh, construction in uh, both uh, single-family as well as multifamily comparing the, the uh, year-to-date. And uh, just to give you an idea of the numbers we're talking about, let's talk about the in 2021, number of single-family homes completed year-to-date was 710,500, and the number of multifamily homes uh, with basically 276,400. So uh, we're up probably about uh, 6 or 7% from uh, 2000 to 2020 uh, production. So uh, like I said before, that, that particular industry is running into uh, constraints in terms of operational constraints. So, so they're basically going flat out in uh, terms of the number of houses they can produce. Uh, give you an idea of the home building industry, uh, the uh, um, National Association of Home Builders, uh, they put out a survey in conjunction with uh, Wells Fargo Bank. And according to Robert Dykes, who is the chief economist, uh, strong, quote, strong consumer demand helped push builder confidence higher in October, despite uh, growing affordability challenges stemming from rising material prices and shortages. So uh, uh, building sentiment in the market for newly built single-family homes moved four points higher uh, to 80 in uh, October, according to the National Association of Home Builders uh, uh, slash Wells Fargo Housing Price Index. Uh, the housing, the home associates, the home builders, uh, home builders association has been conducting that survey for the past 35 years, and basically a reading about 50 indicates that uh, that builders view conditions as uh, good, and uh, Robert Deets uh, continues that despite the increase, builders are getting increasingly concerned about the affordability hurdles ahead for most buyers. Building material prices increases and bottlenecks persist, and interest rates are expected to rise in the coming months as the Fed begins to taper its purchase of U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Uh, Policymakers must focus on fixing the broken supply chain, and this will spur more construction and help ease uh, further pressure on the uh, home prices. Well, uh, that's that's probably going to be a very necessary uh, item because uh, 
uh, your median uh, new home price is three uh, approaching three hundred ninety thousand uh, dollars, and that's compared to the median home price for uh, a um, existing home, and that's about uh, three hundred fifty-two thousand. So, well. Maybe that maybe I, I should compare single family, the uh, uh, median price for a single family home, and the median price for a single family home is three hundred and sixty thousand. So three hundred sixty thousand median price for an existing home, and three hundred ninety thousand is the median price for a newly constructed home. So. In any case, there's a, there has been a tremendous demand for housing, and one of the things that has spurred that on was basically two things, I guess. One was the COVID. People wanted to get uh, away from the city a little bit more and, and uh, get out in their own uh, place where they had their own backyard uh, for the youngsters, and also uh, the... Uh, uh, low mortgage rates. Low mortgage rates have been, uh, you know, at three percent for quite a while now. And uh, uh, basically, what we're seeing now is that, uh, the, uh, according to the Federal Reserve, those rates could be going up. Now, if you take a look at the Beige Book, I mentioned that earlier. In terms of, that's a book that the uh, Federal Reserve puts out in preparation for their uh, uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting that will be held in the early part of uh, November. And at that particular meeting, they've indicated from the previous minutes of their September meeting that they're going to talk about uh, tapering, uh, tapering their big bond buying operation. In other words, in response to the COVID uh, pandemic in February of last year, uh, the Federal Reserve lowered the interest rates and uh, right down to zero for the federal funds rate. And they also instituted a bond buying operation of $120 billion a month. The bond buying operation now basically is to uh, bring the uh, the longer maturity uh, yields uh, down. So basically, uh, with the bond buying operation, they can create a demand for the bonds, and uh, that increases the price of the bonds. And since the present bonds out there have a, a, a set a stated uh, a coupon or interest rate, then it basically says the denominator is increasing and the numerator is staying constant. So that number is going to come down and that number is the yield. So it brings down the yield curve in the higher maturity, uh, higher, uh, longer maturities. <clears throat> what they're going to do now is talk about uh, uh, changing that. But let, let's see what they talked about in the uh, the the uh, beige book, and uh, according to the beige book for the uh, fourth district in Cleveland is the fourth district economic activity. Quote: This is from the beige book. Economic activity in the fourth district remains strong in recent weeks, 
So the pace of growth moderated somewhat amid persistent supply chain uh, disruptions. Employment increased modestly. In recent weeks, more than 40% of our contacts reported increase in staffing, and half said that that employment was steady. Many of those who reported no change said that they would hire more workers if workers were available. Uh, As far as prices are concerned, uh, non-labor input costs continue to rise. Nearly three-quarters of our contacts reported cost increases in the prior two months, while a quarter saw no change. Uh, Looking forward, uh, two-thirds of the contacts expected costs to rise in the months ahead because they did not uh, anticipate meaningful relief from the uh, supply chain disruptors. Uh, Selling prices continued to rise. Nearly 65% of all contacts and 75% of retailers said that they increased prices in the prior two months. Many contacts argued that they increased uh, prices to protect margins amid rising input and labor costs. However, others said that strong demand conditions allowed them to raise prices and boost margins. Uh, One manufacturer said that some of of his largest uh, multinational customers were recently have recently initiated conversations offering quote generous unquote price increases in order to secure delivery of uh, production in the future. Uh, customer spending, customer spending increased modestly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, general merchandise and apparel retailers said that demand for goods remained strong. Many noted uh, solid back-to-school sales. Uh, Manufacturing, demand for manufactured goods grew strongly, uh, although the ability to meet those demands varied by sector. Uh, Steelmakers said that the orders from automakers fell as the chip shortages constrained vehicle production. Uh, Supply chain disruptions remained broad, motivating uh, some customers to order inputs ahead of time as a precaution against future delays. And on net, contacts expected conditions to improve in the coming months, although the continuing shortage of microchips raises material prices and inflation fears tempered expectations. It goes on to talk about uh, real estate and construction, uh, they remain strong. Uh, non-residential construction and real estate activity continues to increase. Um, the, uh, freight, uh, the freight activity grew moderately from an already high level because of the increase in international trade flows and continued economic recovery. Basically, what they're, what they're showing is that the the economy is continuing uh, to recover, and uh, what's going to happen then is that, according to their uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting in September, is that they're going to start tapering that uh, bond buying operation of $120 billion a month, and they're going to taper from where it's at right now down to zero by the middle of uh 
2022. <coughs> so uh, the Federal Reserve is basically keeping a close watch on the economy and the unemployment rate and the inflation rate. So uh, what you're going to see is, according to their <coughs> projections at that meeting, uh, in 2022, you'll probably see an increase Excuse me. From now, they'll probably make a move at their November meeting and start the tapering at $15 billion a month. $10 billion of that will be treasuries. $5 billion of that will be mortgage-backed security bonds. And then they'll move forward at reducing it $15 billion a month until the middle of next year where it gets down to zero, and at that point, they'll, uh, that will increase the, the longer maturity uh, bond yields because there won't be so much buying power holding them down anymore. And then in 2023, <clears throat> you'll see your interest rates begin to move up uh, and that will be the increase in the federal funds rate. Right now, you've got this tapering operation, and that's going to steepen the yield curve. But the yield curve is still going to be anchored at zero for the federal funds rate. And in 2023, they're going to start to increase the federal funds rate. And that will increase the whole yield curve. So they'll go up probably about 1% a year. Uh, in 2023 and then in, in 2024. And the target in the longer run is uh, an increase of the federal funds rate to 2.5. So if the 10-year is basically 1.7% uh, <clears throat> today, it'll probably be about uh, when they get to the place where they want it in, in Maybe four years, it'll be about four and a quarter percent. So uh, that will, you know, the real estate people will look at that and say, well, that, that's uh, interest rates are going up. But hey, you know, we've all bought homes and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when the interest rates were, you know, 30 year mortgages were six and seven percent. So it, it's doable. It'll, it'll, uh, cause a problem in the housing sales, but uh, we've done it before, so it's doable. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. 
uh, trying to fight my way through this this uh, frog in my throat. And uh, 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 the things that uh, you know, we're talking about uh, basically show that the a, a, the uh, uh, third quarter earnings results uh, are showing some good profits uh, up uh, 35% estimated. Now, they don't have the whole story yet. It'll be another two weeks before we complete this uh, third uh, quarter earnings season. But uh, uh, the economy's recovering. The stock market has is, is, uh, got a basis for its uh, evaluations right now, good basis. And uh, uh, there's more progress to be made once we go over this, uh, get this COVID under control and get the uh, get back to normal and also get these supply chains back to normal. So, uh, <clears throat> hey, Jim. Have, uh, Hi, it's Colleen. Yeah. We, we have a question from Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin gave us a call with a great question. He wants to know how can he find... 401k funds that he had um, at a former job. So he had Whoa. an account with a former employer and, and wants to know how can he find out where those funds are. Okay. There, there, there are ways to do that. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you, know, you open an account and, and uh, if you, you know, move on to another job and uh, you, you don't keep track of that account, and uh, even if the company's out of business, you can still go back. And uh, uh, the Department of Labor has a website, uh, and they have a website that's called 5500search.bol.gov. Uh, and basically what that does is list the contact information for this, this old firm that you used to work for. And uh, it's the information is still there, whether the firm is there or not. And you might also check the state's unclaimed property database. And uh, that's run by the National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators, and that's at unclaimed.org. Uh, so, and the, and the best way, <laughs> for, for future reference, Kevin, the best way to keep track of your funds is not to lose them in the first place. And so, for for the rest of the audience, uh, make it uh, make it a priority uh, to to keep track of those four hundred one k funds, and uh, don't leave it and forget it uh, under any circumstances. You have the option of rolling it. Maybe you have the option of rolling it into the new company four hundred one k if it's allowed, or you can easily roll it over into an individual IRA. Uh, so that you can control it and you can uh, get the statements and it doesn't make any difference whether the old employer is in business or not. So uh, go get your fur, go get your uh, 401k uh, money and uh, I would say move it into your own IRA so that you can keep it close to it. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. So you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome 
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. Uh, one of the things we see in uh, uh, how how do we keep track of uh, how well the industries are doing? Well, different sections of the country, um, for instance, the Federal Reserve banks in different sections of the country, like New York, they put out the Empire State Manufacturing Index, and Philadelphia, they put out the Philadelphia Manufacturing Business Outlook. And basically, they, what they do is give you a, a snapshot of what's happening in their particular uh, district. And, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, and they, they address... And they just and they address, for instance, in the Philly area, they address the Mid-Atlantic Manufacturing Region and the, the latest Philadelphia Manufacturing Business Outlook uh, presents a qualitative picture of manufacturing along the Atlantic seaboard. You know, and then basically they, they take a section of time. This one is from October 12th to the 18th. And uh, they show that uh, the index declined to 23.8 and uh, 30.7 in September. And they'll take a little bit, talk to, talk to uh, managers in industries in uh, that location. They'll talk about new orders, shipments, uh, backlogs. And one of the things they show is that uh, there's a lot of uh, progress that's being made in the manufacturing in that particular area. For instance, in yes, the uh, managers about new orders. Forty-seven percent said that uh, uh, October was better than September in terms of new orders. Shipments. Forty-three percent said it was better. Unfilled orders or backlogs. Thirty percent said that they're increasing the backlog. Um, delivery times. They everybody's seeing problems in delivery times. Prices paid. Uh, 73% said we paid more uh, than they did before, and uh, prices received 60% saying that they were uh, uh, getting less. So, uh, getting more, I'm sorry. Uh, then you saw uh, capital improvements, and everybody's talking about capital improvements there, too. So, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, good work, uh, good manufacturing and good numbers coming out of the uh, reports from the Federal Reserve. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. The spell of the beautiful weather that we've been having lately reminds me of how much I love October. Most of the farmers around me have their crops out of the field, and now it's, it's basically quiet here, and the beauty of Mother Nature makes me stop and relax, and I get to become a little philosophical. Here are the words of Manya Angelou on her 70th birthday, things to remember and contemplate. One, I've learned that no matter what happens or how bad it seems today, life goes on and it will be better tomorrow and I've learned that you can tell a lot about people by the way they handle these three things one is a rainy day the next one is lost luggage 
And the third one is Tangled Christmas Tree Lights. Okay. I've gone through all those experiences. And some of them have had them badly. I've learned that regardless of your relationship with your parents, you'll miss them when they're gone from your life. I have learned that making a living is not the same as making a life. I've learned that life sometimes does give you a second chance. I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with, with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw some things back. I've learned that whenever I decide something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. I've learned that every time you reach out and touch someone, people love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn, and I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how, how you made them feel. So... Happiness is a chance to talk to a friend, to hear good music, to have a good glass of wine. Happiness is a chance to see yourself and to find people with whom you agree. And if you don't agree, learn something from them. So enjoy your life this beautiful autumn. Until we meet again next week for more of Denver Slow. May God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.